Hey guys, welcome back to Grace Unscripted. Today we are joined by the legend Ezra Wimberly. Ezra is one of the most recognizable faces here at Grace because he's on stage leading worship almost every Sunday. But here's the thing, even though I've sung with him like every weekend for the last seven years, I knew nothing about him prior to sitting down and chatting with him. He's like an enigma. And so it was so fun to sit and talk to him about life and see who Ezra is off stage. Now, spoiler alert, his childhood was so absurd and so wild to the point that it was totally normal for him to be baptized the way he was, in a horse trough. That and so much more with Ezra Umberley. Welcome to Grace Unscripted. Ezra, dude, thanks for being here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I know you're a busy guy, so getting an hour from you on a Wednesday is a big ask, but you delivered. You know, like, being busy is like, I hate it. When people say that, I'm like, that stinks. I'm like, it's true. It's like hard to spend time on the things that I want to spend time on, and... I don't know. It just hurts every time. It's like <laughs> some people might feel like, yeah, I'm I'm busy. I'm important. I just like I'm like, yeah, I wish I wasn't busy. Yeah, so <laughs> I feel that too. Sometimes I'm just like, man, I I just want to go home and see my family. Yeah, just to have some more flexibility and yeah. do things more spur of the moment. It's but like you're here. That's so I'm we here. appreciate that. Yeah. I, I think the li- the listeners are going to appreciate it. Um, I was thinking about one of the coolest parts about this is when I kind of came up with this idea. I was like, you know, I want to start a podcast for Grace Church. And when I kind of wrote up the plan and pitched it to the church, I used your name. I was like, you oh, know yeah, what? Yeah. I said, they're like, what do you want this to look like? And I was like, well, I'd love to just sit with the guest and whoever that is in the church or the community and pick their brain, see what their life is. And I said, yeah. like, for instance, Ezra, I would love to, to yeah. chat with Ezra. I've seen him. I've been here for seven years and I see you up on stage. But other than that, I, I don't know a ton about you. Yeah. And, and the so, church is big enough that if you don't. Yeah, you can do that. You can know about somebody. And likewise, that, yeah, I'm like, I, yeah, I know you, I would say, quote unquote, I know you, but I'm like, I don't, we haven't spent any time together. We haven't done any projects together. We don't serve in the same ministries. And so, yeah, it's easy, it's easy to not get. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, for me, I, I learned right away that I don't know that much about you because if someone had said, who is Ezra? I'd have been like, well, he's the worship pastor. Mm-hmm. And then I find out that you actually have a very different title here. You, yes. <laughs> I've just written down, you're the executive pastor of Campus Culture. Yes. So what, is, what does that mean? What that is, is the executive official... pastor of Campus Culture, Grace? <laughs> what, is that, what does that mean? Okay. So the way that the Bath Campus is set up, and tell me if I'm getting too far into this. So like, basi- well, basically it's just made up. That title's made up. <laughs> and like my, and my uh, role here has pretty much been that. They're like, well, what does Ezra do? It's like, well, he's Ezra. <laughs> And that's like, and so over the years, so I've been here for 17 years, starting as an intern. And over the years, I've pretty much done whatever needed to be done and whatever role needed I needed to play. So I've had so many different kinds of roles. And in every role, it's been sort of like, yeah, he kind of does that, but yeah. kind of something different. So so this one currently, the executive pastor role, but I'm not like, a, if we have a church organization geeks out there, like, like, a lot of big churches would have executive pastors, but I don't, we don't, there's two executive pastors. It's me and Ryan. So Ryan's the other executive pastor. So we're, first of all, having two executive pastors, that's not a thing. So the, uh, so we're already set up different. So way our campus would go, Jeff, Ryan, and me, we would serve together as the campus pastor of the Bath campus. So when we get together, the campus pastors, Ryan, uh, Ryan and I would also go to that meeting. 
So so it's a way that we've solved that we want uh, the senior pastor, Jeff, to also be a campus pastor. But he also, because of the breadth of his responsibilities, needs to build up his team in a different kind of way. That makes sense. And so Eddie was explained to me that actually just a little bit ago. and I had no idea. Like I thought Medina East was like entirely separate at the point, And he was like, no, no. Jeff is still like Tony's boss. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's wow. Right. Man, yeah. that's a lot, a lot going on for him. Huh? Yeah, it's as close as you can get. Our, our structure is as close as you can get to um, camp, uh, a church planting as you can get while still being the same organization, while still being the same church. I mean, it's very independent, but yeah. That makes sense. All right, so what do you, executive pastor of campus culture, like what, <laughs> what, are, you, what are you doing with that? Well, my public role is worship leading. Yeah, that's you know? how we all know you, Ezra, right. the music guy. Ezra, the music guy. You're like, hey, you must sit around and play guitar all the time. You know, I'm like, no. <laughs> so all week you just sit there in just your office there. and play the guitar and that's sing, right? right? And pray, and pray, <laughs> and, pray. <laughs> right. and study. So most of my, like my, um, I would handle, um, I would handle other things to do with, as an executive pastor, I would do things with like, um, staff, a lot of, I lead a lot of staff. So like gotcha. the way that things go. Um, so things like, um, I was also, I also serve on our, um, on our steering team. So like our elder board. Gotcha. So I'd serve there as well. So high level decisions, uh, long-term planning, short-term planning, um, um, vision execution. Like Jeff is our main visionary. And so a lot of it is just like executing and multiplying that vision, like through the staff. So any large all campus project, I'd be a part of that in a major way. Um, any, and because of my closest with Jeff and our relationship, mm-hmm. a lot of times when there's an all campus, all campuses, all church event, that I would also, even though I have no official role as a Grace Church staff, I would still like be pulled into that somehow. Yeah. He's like, "Well, Jeff is doing this thing, and so he's going to tap into Ezra for like this part of it." He's like, "Well, let's get Ezra's eyes on this for this over here." So I learned that a couple years ago, and, and like, don't take this the wrong way. No, I okay. said, "All right, this is Ezra, the music guy," and someone said, "You know, that's like Jeff's right hand man." And I was like, "Yeah, what do you mean the right hand man?" And like, they're like the closest of homies. Like, they're yeah. like best friends here. And I was like, oh, I had no idea about that. And they're like, oh, Ezra's been here from the beginning. Like, that's that's yeah. Jeff's guy. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. cool. I underestimated them. Yeah, I, d- I don't take that the wrong way because yeah. I don't I wouldn't see how anybody would see me differently. So even my role on the weekend, um, because Jeff is such a strong teacher and such a strong leader, there's so much leadership coming off of that platform. And like Ryan, you got like you got like these home run hitters. I'm like, what the weekend needs from me is to like, just sing the song, man, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, you know, so in, when it comes to weekend stuff, I like, I play my, I play my role and, and I know that it's important. I'm not downplaying it at all. Yeah. And so, um, I, I mean, yeah. it's hugely important. I, I know a lot of people, um, that just, they love the music and listen, we, we want the church to just resonate Jesus in everything we do, but we also want to do things well. Like yeah, that's a part absolutely. of like, we want to honor him with how we do things. So if we're going to play music, we're going to play it well. Yeah. And you guys play it well. And yeah. it's a great thing because I know I, I love, I love to worship and I come here and it's one of the highlights of my day. Like we're going to go sing some awesome songs. I know most of the words. Ezra's going <laughs> to sing his heart out. I'm going to sing my heart out. It's going to be great. Yeah. And I know awesome. a lot of people feel that way. So that's, that's pretty cool. Now is your wife, so your wife, Michelle, mm-hmm. is she pretty involved with some of the stuff you do here? Yeah. So, so what's her role look like? So what her role looks like, it's mostly been unofficial, but I actually, my tie to Grace Church officially originally came through her because oh. her, uh, she actually grew up as 
um, in Jeff's youth group. So this would have been at the Norton? At the Norton campus. Okay. And so her family was at the Norton campus. And so when we met at college, we started dating and then we got engaged. She says, hey, what if my pastor like uh, marries us? And I was like, sure, that sounds fine. And that's like Jeff did our premarital counseling, which turned into, uh, turned into hey, I just started this thing. Do you want to come an intern with so us? So that would have been Jeff saying, hey, I'm no longer the youth pastor here at Norton. I'm yeah. going to go start this thing at Chat yeah. Road. This is our campus. Yeah. Do you want to come be a part do, of that? Do, yeah. So it was like during that whole season that that was all forming. So, um, yeah. So when I started um, – so my wife um, – so she's always been a part of it. Our relationships – people have different kinds of ministry, like the way that their marriage and their ministry work. We work great as a team. So um, – she does all like the the the, um, the interior designs of the and she got her degree in architecture and now she's uh, works at um, at an interior design firm. So yeah, mother of three, but throughout all the years has, has designed the interiors. I think any new project she's done. So Medina East Campus interiors, Michelle. Wow, that's pretty so cool. All all the things around here uh, yeah. around the Bath Campus, Michelle. And so all the years of, like, trying to strike that balance of, like, we want a professional, we want it excellent, like what you're talking about, but we also, uh, we, we want it to be on a budget. We're, this is a church here. We're not, yeah. this is not, we're not going to be do gold-gilded blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not painting so. Jeff's uh, platform in gold and <laughs> yeah. sapphire. Yeah, so, like, that, the right balance of good design but on a budget and being good stewards of the of the. Um, God's money and things like that. So, but that's not like this. I mean, I know the listeners can't see it, but this wood wall would have been her idea. It's a nice wood wall. Yeah, it's a nice wood wall. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's cool. Well, I, all right. I want to get more into um, kind of you and her meeting in that time in college and what that looked like when you met Jeff. Before we do though, I got to We got to start out with young Ezra because okay. I learned something that I didn't know. It. I, I learned that you were either born or raised on a a farming commune yes. i don't even know what that means this you, you have to elaborate on this okay for me. so part of the context um yes i was i was born legitimately um <laughs> i was born in alliance ohio with it was on a commune in a building that was an a, an abandoned orphanage Wait, wait, so, so wait. That's where you were that, like physically. That's born? where I was physically born. In so an it abandoned wasn't, orphanage. Yeah. So like, yeah. So it was a it was a four story building that the top two floors were like, um, uh, they were destroyed and so and completely abandoned. And so I was born in the second floor of an abandoned orphanage in this commune. Wow. So, um, but how I ended up there because my parents are actually from. I was. I have two. I'm the middle of five siblings. Okay. Um, so I've got two older brothers, and I was the first one to be born in Ohio. So my oldest brother was born in Oklahoma in a tent. And <laughs> this is my, getting better and better. <laughs> and my, my second brother was born in, uh, in New York on Long Island. And, so, and that's where my parents grew up. Okay. So, so your parents are from Long Island. They're from Long Island. How do they end up? In Oklahoma, in a tent. Like, yeah. you got to go, how does that happen? Yeah, exactly. So, like, this is all in context. It all seems <laughs> fine to me because it's just, yeah. like, it's just normal. But the, um, so my parents would have been, they would have met Jesus. So they would not have known Jesus at all until 
they were around graduating high school age. They were dating at the time. Okay. You know, on again, off again, boyfriend, girlfriend. Yeah, teenagers. Know, teenagers. Right. So they were at a party and they're like, hey, did you know this guy, James? He's a Jesus freak. He's having a meeting over at his house. And they're like, no, not James. That's ridiculous. So, but they go over to his house. He's having this meeting and there's this whole group there. That's like sharing Jesus with everybody. So they were just they're just Long at Island. this in Long Island. Okay. So it's at this party. Everybody's just like kind of hanging out, and they they both end up accepting Christ with different people that night. Wow! And so like God was just like moving. They like both I don't think many Christ. people can say that your parents got saved on the same night before they were married. Before they were married, yeah, that's incredible. So the, and they weren't even at the time. They weren't even seeing each other yeah, at the time. Yeah, they're just friends. They're friends. So, right. So they, um, so during that time, so they ended up going, well, this group happened to be like a traveling hippie group. So this is part of like the Jesus movement. So your parents were hippies. Yes. Well, became that way. So, and the, their interpretation of it was like, you know, like to be a Christian, to follow Christ. It says right here that you would, uh, you would um, take up your cross and follow him. And, and they gave all these examples from Scripture that said, if you really are serious about following Jesus, you will sell everything you have and come with us. We're leaving on Friday. Wow. And so— so what, Wow. And so that's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm like so trying they, to process this. Yeah, like, so they ended up doing that. So that's what they did. They're and the like, crazy thing is I'm thinking now because I'm a parent. Like I'm thinking about yeah. their parents. Yes. So they went to their parents totally like, hey, freaking out. we're just rolling now. Yeah. We met this guy, Jesus. They're like, nope, you know, and they're like, oh. and we're leaving. Nope. Wow. Yeah. So. And yeah. then they're just on the road. And they just left. So that this group ends up like hitchhiking, hopping trains. Do they going, have a name this going group? Going from, uh, I think the guy that ended up running it later was, his name is Jim Roberts. Okay. And so, um, yeah, but it was one of those groups. It was one of, one of those Jesus hippie groups. That is you know? wild. So, but it was really, it was really based on scripture and they, but the, all the things that would like, it was a great idea that over time turned into a cult. Yeah. <laughs> and so we recognize it now. You're like, that's a cult in the making. We know that a hundred times over, but then it was just a bunch of sincere people just trying to like, see what the Lord has for them. But they spent five years in this group. Wow. So they ended up getting married in that group and ended up. Um, so were they just like nomadic? My, like, yeah, nomadic. They, your brother was born in the tent in Oklahoma just because they happened to be in Oklahoma that night. That's right. That is incredible. And so, so I don't know if this is true or not, okay. but, but I, I guess when my brother was born that it was, it was in the middle of hurricane season on the bank of a river with the river that rising and like most Wait, people were Hurricane like a, or tornado? I think hurricane, but wow. I don't know. Like, I don't, yeah, maybe yeah. it's like, I don't know. That's unbelievable. I don't know any of this stuff. All right, so he's so. born. Then they they're still being nomadic. They <laughs> yeah. end up in Alliance, Ohio. That's so, like bound by down by right. Mount Union, right? So they had left. Right, exactly. Okay. They they had actually left the group at that time. They actually left the group after my brother was born, and then they ended up in Long Island. That's like home. They went back home to try to figure. So out So do you think they realized like okay? I love Jesus. Jesus has a plan for me, but this is a cult. Have they figured that that's, out? That's what they did. They figured that out during that time because they're like this because they would have mandatory like time in the Word and prayer an hour every morning before anything. Wow! And so they had like that stuff was good. Expose them to the Word of God, but it's just all the teachings that kind of came out of the group, like yeah, you know, that got weird. Yeah, you know, and so they're like so, but the Word of God spoke to them, and they were raised around this. Yeah, and so they were like, no, this isn't right. We're leaving. You know, so they they had left. That's where my second 
uh, brother was born and and then they ended up settling in they had some friends that had moved to alliance were part of this group but that's why like a commune to that sense was like was like a mild version of what they were involved in. This was them settling down. But it was it was you some know? of the same people that they had been with, or a different uh, group some of, of the people. You know, somebody would be like. But during all that time, this was all like them pursuing what is the church supposed to be? What is what is what does God want from His people? What what is being Christian really all about? It's a, it's that young adult exploratory time. Like, what is if I really believe in Jesus? What does that mean for me? You know, and during that time. Having communal experience or experiments like yeah. was not rare. Yeah. You know? Well, so. and frankly, I mean, if you look at the the church in Acts, like there is a a bit of it that would be like, well, that actually kind of looks like a commune. Kind of looks right. like a commune, right? Yeah. So when they're trying to get back to like the biblical church, yeah, that that's would make sense to them. So that's what they ended up. But they didn't end up staying a part of that very long. That was kind of transitional. And so I was born there, but I think within six months, Dad bought a house in town, and then so. Okay. Yeah. And then so as a family, you guys settled down somewhere? Yeah. So I ended up, we ended up living in—I grew up in Marlboro okay. then, which is like the next little town over from Alliance. Okay. So and out, you're there for the nowhere. your whole childhood? Yeah, my whole childhood. Okay. Now, you were, I know that you were homeschooled for part of it, and then you, yeah. you went to a Christian school or you homeschooled your entire life? Yeah, I was—I was, um, ended up going to Lake Center Christian School in Hartville, so that was while well, we're still living in Marlboro, going there, and then that was at that time it was only to eighth grade. They, they didn't have a high school. I guess they have a high school now. And then, uh, then I went to Central Christian in Kidron for high school. Okay. So, you, what do you come out of that with? Did you like homeschool and Christian schools? Like, was that good for you? Was it hard for you? Um, the <laughs> what my childhood was mostly. It, well, homeschooling was easy for me in that, like, school was easy. And my, my mom has a passion for learning. And I, Michelle and I always talk about how she should have been a, a professor somewhere. Yeah. Like, she just loves learning everything and anything. And so the um, – so that was great. But um, we had a very working family. And so growing up, my homeschooling was more like we had a um, – I did some worksheets while my parents owned a greenhouse. And so I, there was a desk in the back that in between busy parts of hand, like working with customers, I would go and do my math worksheets. Wow, this is wild. So, this sounds totally illegal. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay. But it got really, you know, when you're making change, you know, yeah. in your head, you know, that's like, it's like how real, more real does it get yeah. than like this. So, so I learned just as much about how to raise clematis or hosta as I did about algebra. Algebra. That's, yeah. That is wild. So, but that was just up until fifth grade. And then I got a more traditional, like tr- traditional education yeah. from there. But even, even, yeah, uh, Christian schools, it, it was great. I thought they were great academically, but I did feel a little bit for me, I was a little behind, um, um, socially. I was like always super overweight. I always struggled with deep insecurity from that. Hmm. And so like I I saw myself as the fat kid. Yeah. And so there I was always any social situation that I was in, I was it always like uh was hard for me to manage. And so I got I got better at that in school cuz I'm like, "Oh, it actually whatever my weight is, I'm still a person and people like me because I'm me. But I had to learn that. I'm learning that as I'm going into like eighth grade, ninth grade, instead of being, instead of learning that earlier. Like first or second grade. Yeah. I mean, my mom loves me because she's my mom. 
Well, your so. education must have been decent because you come out of there and then you roll into Miami University. Yeah, my, yep, Miami University. Uh, I had a great music teacher, thought, I want to make an impact on the next generation like this guy did. So, so, so hold up. So, all right, so you go to Miami. Are you studying music there? Yeah. So you know at this point, like, okay, music's my thing. So music's when does that happen? Um, so early on, my mom is, is like the music person. Uh, my dad always played like, because <laughs> my church experience growing up would have been like, small groups, home groups, like what we're doing with life groups, like always somebody would have a grab a guitar or we just have a worship night tonight and things like that. So even in churches growing up, people in, people in the congregation would just bring their guitars and tambourines and play along. And so that's what, like, I'm, was used to that. So I would grab my dad's guitar. My mom would actually, she's a, a vocalist. She actually sang soprano in the Akron Symphony. Oh, wow. So we, I grew up going to concerts with her, and so she was always listening to NPR. So it was in your blood. Yeah. 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 And so we're doing lots of that, and uh, I, um, she, she got me some cello lessons early on, but I wouldn't practice, and he wouldn't teach me anymore. So then I dropped that. <laughs> you were and rebellious. Then, yeah, I, I was just a kid. Yeah. I, you know? My parents tried like, to make me take piano lessons, and yeah. to this day, I wish I had done it, and I just refused. And they were like, this is a waste of time. Yeah, it's a waste of time and money, and you know, if they're not in, that's what it was. It was for me then. But later, uh, I think I was in high school. I picked up trombone in, in middle school. And then in high school, I picked up the guitar over the course of summer, dusted off my dad's guitar from under the bed, and and we started launching into that and uh, learned uh, Dave, a few Dave Matthews tunes. <laughs> Dave. Do you know Dave Matthews? Oh, I know Dave yeah, Matthews. So yeah, so like the, the acoustic guitar yeah, and the, sure. you know, that was like my era. So. The 14-minute-long uh, the songs from the... Uh, the uh, the ones he yeah. plays on the road that he just keeps jamming and jamming and just, all the Dave Matthews bands people love him and everybody else is like this is the <laughs> longest song I've ever heard in my life like what like, is happening this needs to yeah. that needs to end yeah sorry so you got this so no, you're no, going no. you're going yeah. into school so I learned like, so in high school between between freshman and sophomore year I buy I say over that summer I buy a bass guitar. I also say I also play my dad's guitar. Um, so I'm playing bass in a band with my friend. I pl- picked up the cello and started like playing that again. So basically, like between freshman and sophomore year, I'm like I'm doing music. Yeah, you're all in. So I was yeah learned a bunch of instruments and kept going with okay. all that stuff. So you so, so you go to Miami. You're like I'm going to do music education. Yep. What What's the end goal there? You trying to teach music? Yeah. So okay. I, I got a degree in uh, instrumental high school. So I was going to be I was going to be an orchestra director. At uh, high school, gotcha. at a, and I was assuming that it would be a public high school, and so that I could have a, um, an impact for, un, like, hopefully, like kids that needed it, you know. And even going through Christian school, my heart was always for like. It seems like Christian schools, like, they have a lot of people that are good people investing in kids here. I yeah. bet you, not all public schools have that for sure. And so I was like drawn to that. Okay. Um, but yeah, a little way through there, and actually, my roommate at the time was also studying uh, education. He's he's going to be a literary guy, um, and uh, we were both going to be teachers. And God was calling us both into ministry at during at that the time. same time. At the same so time. So, what year? You like sophomore, uh, junior year, college? Jun- probably junior year. Probably middle of the junior year. You start thinking, "What am I doing?" So yeah. that transition into senior year, you're like, "No, I think we want to go. In- we wanted to have an impact, like." For Christ, yeah. In these, so that that idea of like for Christ was sort of like kind of came about in in uh, in college, gotcha. right? So, so it's like Jeff would say at some point he, he and Heidi were like, 
we're going to do, they were going to do like social work. Like yeah. we want to help people. We and help. then it was all of a sudden God was like, you're going to help people, but you're going to do it a different way than you were yeah, planning. So he says the same the thing to you. Like right. you're not going to be a symphony teacher or whatever. Right. I got you. You're coming with me. Yeah. You're coming with me. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, if I didn't go to PTAs, I probably could spend more time talking to people about Jesus, yeah. you know? And yeah, so that's kind of where. So all right, so let's wrap that back up with with where we were earlier. So you're you're dating Michelle at this point, right? Because mm-hmm. you've met her. Um, wh- where did you meet? Did you meet her at church or down there? Down there. Okay, so you meet her down there. She's from up here. You start coming up here, maybe a little bit going to church. Or yeah. How, so how does that? So, so I didn't live far called. from here. Yeah. Okay. And then you're like, all right, I feel called to to this now. Michelle is part of Norton campus, and then yeah. you meet Jeff, right? And it's just as like, hey. This might be the spot. Okay. So, so how does that work? Okay. But before that, uh, uh, at the time when I asked Michelle's dad, uh, Rick Perrin, do you know Rick Perrin? He goes to church here. Some of the people him. might know him. So my conversation, he's like, I asked him when to marry his daughter and he's like, so what are you planning on doing with your life? Literally my answer was, so I've got this band. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> and uh, that conversation went from... Did he uh, just point to the door? I yeah, just pointed it, it to the door. It was kind of the rest of that conversation went... It was like uh, like in, in Rick Perrin style. It was like at 6 in the morning at Bob Evans. And um, the rest of that conversation was like, so what is the life of really trusting in God look like for both of us? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. And so uh, he had to trust that that I... yeah that we are trusting in God for our future. But through that, I think God was answering his prayers to bring a little more clarity to, and a little more opportunity for that. So, but I played in a band for a while and, um, God used that experience. Cause even after I graduated college that summer, I was like living the first part of the summer. I was like living in Cincinnati with my bandmates. Wow. Seeing so you were in like we, a real band. If, You're like trying to make this happen. We were seeing if he could make it happen. And actually, the lead singer of that band, he went on to be like, he's a singer-songwriter. He's like a successful, That's his name's cool. Griffin House. Okay. He's probably got 14 albums out. Wow. You, you can go like, yeah, like tours around and you can listen. And so so I got to be good friends with this guy. And so it was like, but the band was, yeah, um, the band thing was not to be. And sometimes I, re- I wonder if I was like the Jonah in that. You know, that like God had a plan. He's like, no, you just, just stop, just stop. So how's Jeff get you up here? What's that look like? During that summer, we were doing our premarital counseling and he's like, Hey, I would love for somebody to come up here and start a college ministry. And you had uh, never really met him previously, but she's like, Hey, I want him to do it. We're going to get married here. I think I had visited like some weekends. We might've come up here for, um, I have some, a few memories of coming up here for, you know, spending the weekend with her yeah, family yeah. and coming I mean, to church you, you or something that. like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So then the conversation just starts, hey, Ezra, I might have a spot for you here. Yeah. So and it's a part-time like, internship. You know, you want to come up and lead our college ministry. And I'm like, that's great. As long as you teach and I do some music. Yeah. And about three months in to that, he's like, I have to do this, start this thing called life groups. So you're up. And I'm like, so suddenly I was like teaching every week yeah. and leading the music and developing the ministry. Oh, good and grief. so, yeah. You're probably like, what just happened? It, it was exactly that. I was like, I thought you were going to train me here. And then it's just, yeah. That's pretty cool though. So, so when, like one thing I, I didn't really ask about, so you grew up in this home. It's kind of wild. Your parents, do you think they'll, are they, your parents still alive? Yeah, they are. Okay. So if we call them hippies, they're not going to be offended? No, back then they definitely were. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you grew up with hippie parents. You got this wild story. So- you grow up in a Christian home. Like when, when in a child, like what age is a child? Are you like, okay, you know what? I, 
I think I get this. Like, I see who Jesus is. Like, yeah. I want to I wanna follow him. Like, it seems like you were already set on that before you even got to college. So w- yeah. when would that have come about? Yeah, so early on, I would have accepted Christ as a kid, probably with one of my parents. And my dad actually baptized me um, at a neighbor's, like, farm in gotcha. a horse trough, like, just later on. <laughs> this story like, just never <laughs> never ends. Yeah, so I, w- I would have been seven when I would have been baptized. Okay. And so sometime in there, I was like, yeah, I want to, I want, this is for real for me. That's cool. So. That's pretty cool. So you, you're faithful rolling through all the way. You meet Michelle. Yeah, she's... not really. Not really. I mean, I, I really struggled in high school. Yeah. And so when I see, when I see students now that, that are really struggling to figure out, like, where am I with all this? I'm like, I get it. Yeah. You know, oh, or just sure. like seeing like for no reason at all feel like I'm a, being oppressed here. I'm like, that was me. I'm like, I've let loving parents that are investing in me that are very sincere in their faith. They know why they believe what they believe. They're first generation Christians. And I like want to get out from under this oppressed. I'm like, they were not, you know, all that is just ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, I, for me, I was, I was, I grew up in a Christian home too. I mean, great parents. I, my family tree is ridiculous. I just got missionaries and pastors and stuff everywhere. I mean, just oh, wow. everywhere. And yeah. then I come along and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with this. I mean, literally, I, I, I didn't like not love God. Like I didn't, I just didn't care. I was indifferent. Right. Huh. And you're just like, yeah, I could care less about this. And then finally it was, I get into college and it kind of got hit me in the face a little bit, but, yeah. but I, I get that too. Like I, when I see a kid that's 15 or 16, I'm like, you know what? Like I was right there with you. you yeah. Know? That's in a, it's a hard, ways. yeah. But did you see that way, the way that God like protected you through that? Even while you're being like, I don't, I don't want anything to do with you. He's like, okay, we'll yeah. see. We, it, it, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, 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 it was like one day he just was like, okay, it's your day. Like, and I just woke up one day and was like, why am I attracted to something? Like, I don't even understand what's going on. Yeah, he, he was like, I get this vision of him pursuing me and yeah. protecting me to get me to this point where he opened my eyes. And it was like, oh. Well, there you go. Yeah. And that was I, a wrap. Yeah. I had a similar experience when I went to college. I remember I remember that there was no more expectations. There was no more. This was not a Christian school environment. If I wanted to be like the party kid or whatever, yeah. like whatever Have kind of. It. Yeah. It was literally like my mom dropped me off. I was sitting on my couch in my dorm room and I was like, and they said, and, and I was like, so what am I going to do now? And I'm like, I literally could project any version of myself that I wanted to right now. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment that God just kind of like spoke to me and like helped me to see that I'm like, that I could never deny the existence of, of God. Yeah. I better start serving him or this is going to be very bad for me. Like that, like, or my life will be torn, I will be torn in two trying to do, t- trying to fight that truth. Yeah that seed of faith that like is just it's not going away that that's wild because you know? i feel that too i mean i can feel that almost exact same thing i was uh i would have been a sophomore juniorish in college i was playing basketball at mount vernon and i came home after a game and i played really well we had a big win and i'm sitting at my computer and i remember thinking there has to be more to life than just putting a ball through a hoop oh, yeah. and it was like i it was the exact same <laughs> feeling of like i i cannot honestly try to deny the fact that God exists. I know he exists. So what do I do with that? And that was been the first start. I was probably 20 years old. It was like yeah. day one of like, okay, this is a start. And I had no idea what to do with it or where it would take me, but yeah. it's the same thing. It was, it was this undeniable fact. And I just eventually had to face it head on and get and and and, and go with it. And yeah. 
that just kind of started this crazy thing. Yeah. But uh, but that that's yeah. pretty wild. It doesn't come come together perfectly, but even after that, I fits and starts, you know, and and like trying to do this and finding myself in bad situations and realizing that's just dumb. I yeah. just shouldn't be a part of that anymore. So. Yeah. I want to parachute in a little bit on uh, your relationship with Michelle and your boys. So, so you meet her down there, you date, you get married, mm-hmm. you come up here. Did you get married? Were you interning here when you got married or were you still in college? We started, um, it all happened right in a row. Okay. So I finished up a few classes over summer and, um, and we got married in August. We took a honeymoon and I, we started at the church the next week. Wow. So we, in a it was two on. Week, it was two weeks from, yeah, it was like marriage, honeymoon, week off, church. And so so I've been here. Like There's a lot going since. on ever since then. Yeah. And that, so you guys have been married for 17 years. Yep. You have three boys now. Yep. What are they? They're 14, 13, and 10. Yep. Yep. So Urban, it just started high school at uh, Fi- Firestone. So he's a freshman at Firestone High School. And uh, we live in West Akron. And um, Gage is in eighth grade. He's... Um, studying music and art in at Miller South uh, School for Performing Arts down there. And uh, and Miles actually just started there, too. So he's in fourth grade. So all of our kids went through Resnick Elementary, and then uh, Urban went to Litchfield, and then to Firestone. The other kids are at Miller South. All right, so you got two stuff. kids. So you got two boys that are kind of like that 14, 13 awkward puberty yeah. range. How's that yeah. going? What's that like at home? It's amazing, actually. Is it? I, <laughs> we are marveling at this because I think Urban is the most – laid back 14 year old I've ever it, like seen in my life there's this one point he was like um he, he was like just having a really hard time one day just like just feeling emotional and feeling hurt by something and he's like dad just sorry I'm just feeling over emotional it's just all the hormones <laughs> and he just like he just knows it he's yeah. just he's super self-aware he That's knows funny. when to like play it down and yeah you know, uh, when he's feeling something deep, he's an inch taller than me now. Like he's just got you already. Yeah. Yeah. So like, but he is super laid back and super self-aware. Um, Gage is much more like emotionally driven. Like he's much more social, much more. uh, And so he's, uh, he's awesome to be around and, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch him try to navigate that. I told my boys, so we had, um, with each of my boys, as they're entering fifth grade, I think, I, I like gave them the talk. I took them out to breakfast, and we had the talk. The talk, the big the, one, huh? The talk. Now I was like, so what kind of started in our family is like God's vision, God's vision for marriage, God's vision for man and uh, man and a wife to be one, mm-hmm. and th- that is His vision. Like before, before even the institution of marriage, there is the vision of the oneness. Yep. And I'm like, and so I'm like, no matter what culture might say about this or that or your sexuality or about whatever the, and he's like, and so you're going to, you're going to be facing all this, you know, all this temptation. You're going to be into all this stuff. You're going to start liking girls. I'm like, dad, that's gross. I'm like, you will, Just wait. you will, you know? So, and, uh, I actually had urban thanked me a year or two later. He's like, dad, Thanks so much for talking with me about that stuff. Like before my friends started talking about it. That's just probably so I, really important. Just so I knew what to think. For sure, right? Yeah. You don't want them to hear it for the first time from 
some no. idiot living next door, some no. 12 year old kid. No. And I, and it, what kind of started then? Cause I'm, I, we remind them all the time. If you ever need girl advice, you've got a great one living in the house. Yeah. Just talk to your mom. And, uh, and I'm like, so you want to be successful, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, have any of your friends ever been successfully married? No, 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 they haven't. And so like, don't get marriage advice, relationship advice from them. Yeah, that's a great, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> so just some of that stuff kind of came out of, we know they're going to, we know where they're going to public school. Yeah. Know, so, you, so uh, let me ask you that. Yeah. So you sent them to public school. Did you guys ever, you're from uh, you know, I mean, you were, we'll say homeschooled, although yeah. you were just yeah. a child laborer in the greenhouse. <laughs> um, and then, but then you go to Christian school. Did you and Michelle have the talk? I mean, where, do you like, hey, we should homeschool and we should send them to Christian school. And then yeah. you're like, boom, let's put them in a public school. Like, what's that conversation yeah. for you guys? Yeah, we... We talked about that a lot, like the vision that we have for our our we because Michelle went to Copley, so um, uh, she went through Copley all the way through. So I had a Christian school background; she had a public school background. Um, we talked about homeschooling. That didn't seem like our style, like the style that I grew up in. That wasn't really like going to be our marriage and our home style. Um, and so I'm like, so that's probably not our style. So what is a public school, Christian school? And we knew that, like, working at a church, that our circle would get really small really quick. Mm-hmm. That before we knew it, the only people that we knew or that our kids knew were all Christians and yeah, all pastors. that's a real thing. Yeah. So I'm like, that's going to get real small. And so, and we didn't like that. We loved our experience in Miami. We both had, had non-Christian roommates, all of our classes, and we realized what a rich... Uh, formation time that is for like our faith mm-hmm. and also the ability to to be evangelistic through relationships and the difference you can make by just like living life with other people that way and and we were like if our kids can make it some kids can't like yeah. they like urban's like super laid back like e- each kid as we, we're like trying to watch them and like can they make can they navigate that water you know when the fight breaks out in the hallway or when the kids just like, just like cussing up a storm and like, how are they going to be influencer or influencers in all this situation? We're not going to insulate them from it, but there's going to be come a time for each one of them. They're either going to like be able to navigate that or not be able to navigate that. And yeah. so, and so far so good. That's but cool. The hard work is then like keeping track of them. But you know, we ha- we've got great relationships with all of their their uh, the, our kids' parents. You know, yeah, and, that and helps those too. relationships. So yeah, those, yeah. I, I hear you on that. Like, because my girls, so I have three. I have three girls. So oh, do you have three girls? Y- you got to ask me these questions like twelve years. What yeah, life how, is how like? How old are your girls? So uh, Nola is she'll be five in a couple months. Lena just okay. turned three. And then our little baby Shay is uh, is six months. So Dude. life's a zoo. But I mean, it, I think about the fact that at some point they're going to be like 17, 15, and, tw- and yeah. like 13 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what I'm going to yeah. do at that point. Nope. But, but we're having the conversations already of like, okay, we only have a very limited amount of time. Like Nola's already in preschool like 9 to noon every day. Yeah. And then next year she's going to be in, uh, in elementary school. She's going to be kindergarten. It's like, wh- what are we doing to build into her our value set, our picture of what life looks like, what family life looks like before we kind of send you like off like yeah. into this world that we're not actually protecting you in anymore. Yeah. And, it, and it's scary. I mean, I'll sit there with Tanya and i like, you know, it, it makes me nervous. Like we only have a few more months left with Nola where we're like the ones solely in charge of her for most of the day. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, are, are we, have we done our part to build 
our morals into her and, and what we believe. And, and it's, it's stressful. I mean, yeah. it really is. But at the end of the day, I, I love my wife's got such a, a cool view on this. And, and we have friends from all over the place at homeschool, Christian school, public school. I mean, yeah. whatever, like yeah. all those are such an awesome opportunity. But Tanya's like, we can't let fear drive the way we parent. Like right. we can't yeah, hold no her out of a school because we're afraid of what would happen there. We need to trust that God is going to lead us to whatever decision we need to make. Yeah. You know, when you were 16, did you think my parents need to protect me? Absolutely not. No. I thought my parents need to just leave me alone. Yeah. I just want to be left alone to just go do whatever <laughs> yeah. I yeah. want. And so that's not the right thing. But you think about like, if you can remember what it was like to be those ages, just a little bit, at least your mindset. And that's not exactly where your kids are, but like all that's going through their head too. And the way that God protected and was working on you, even during that hard times, yeah. it's like, he's going to do that again to your kids. Yeah. And just the way that you would trust him to do that with your neighbor, yeah. he's going to do that. These, these are, yeah. And, and they're his kids. They're right? his kids. That's the hardest part. Like that is, that is the hardest thing for me to get in my head sometimes is yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Cause, cause if one of them wasn't to believe in God, you would think you were a failure. Yeah. But that's not, that's not the way it works. So do you and Michelle do any type of like family, um, like, I don't know, discipleship stuff or mm-hmm. family, like small group times together? I mean, what does that look like for you in, in your life trying to be intentional with your family? Absolutely. Um, so... Uh, through the years, we've tried different things to be like, uh, super intentional. Um, my wife has, has been great at sort of introducing, I, I am a person with, has almost no routines in my life at all. Ones that I try to start, I like, don't like, they just, I'm, I can't make them stick. Yeah. But the, um, so we'd start on program this summer. It was great. We knew the summer was coming and we started just like we, on you version, we just started a read through the new Testament plan. And we would just read the New Testament at bedtime. That's cool. So just all, as all, a family. Yeah. All the whole the whole crew. The whole crew. Just let, read the New Testament. And we get in all kinds of conversations. And sometimes it's super deep stuff. Like yeah, that, right that I'm like right before bed. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, we're not going to get into all that, you know, right now. It's just like you say, you know, but lots of conversations about Jesus. But that was an intentional pathway. Or yeah. we do the, some of the devotionals that the Power Kids puts out and things like that. But, um, but I found... The most intentional thing that my style is to is um, how in Deuteronomy, when he says, you know, um, talk about this as you walk along the road and when you wake up and when you go to bed and and like that is more my style of discipleship. So like as stuff, I've always taken advantage of the time that we're driving them to and from school. So last year we had three kids in three different schools and they the resident was nearby. We could walk, but people needed walked or driven. And, and there's even carpools. And I'm like, those are the times, those little 10-minute snippets of like one-on-one time. How was your day? What's going on in your life? Hey, when that person called you that, how did you respond? When, when you saw your friends treating those other people like that, they're like, yeah, I'm just, I just didn't feel good about that. Well, why not? Yeah, and, and probing. So, what's that? You're probing. Pro- probing. And even if it's not, because what I want them to see is like, I want them to see like what like the spiritual approach to it because I want to, I want to impart, I want them to develop wisdom and I want them to develop um, 
not not just to be liked or be cool, but actually like develop what God's perspective is. For sure. I mean, I I feel like what I hear there is just it's the intentionality. Yeah. Like I think it's so easy, specifically as men and with boys in your scenario, just to do what we do. Like, how you doing? I'm great. You know. Yeah. I, like we, I would always say to guys like you could spend four years with ki- with buddies in high school and you don't know anything about them right. at the end of it. You graduate, you know their name, you know what kind of stuff they like, but you know nothing about what's going on deep inside their life. Right. And so diving into your kids and looking at like how can I really know them and lead them, like that is a very intentional thing. But like you said, I think it's in Deuteronomy six or seven. Like that's what we're called for. That's what we're called right. to. Um, we've been doing that a little bit with our girls now. Is so Nola's four and Lena's three. So Nola's kind of on the cusp of where we've been really trying. And uh, I think I'm going to have Jesse Dolan on as a guest in a few weeks here. <laughs> yeah, good. And uh, he's like he's guy. been so intentional with this stuff. And he was a help to me where he just was like, start now. Like, don't wait. Like, if your kids, like, I don't care what age they are, start yeah. now. And he's like, because if you keep postponing and postponing these conversations and trying to walk them into who Jesus is in your life, like, it's never going to happen. And And so we took that to heart and we sat and we said, okay. Yeah. How can we make Jesus very visible to these girls? And Tanya was like, well, um, let's try the Jesus Storybook Bible. So we started there, and we started yeah. reading it at night. But Nola, she's four, man. She would throw these questions out. like, And we're like, okay, this is too much for right before bed. Yeah, yeah, so we, yeah. so Tanya's, I, I'm usually at work, yeah. but Tanya moved it to the morning. So when they're eating breakfast, they read like a, a, one of the chapters of the Jesus Storybook Bible. Yeah. And then Nola will fire off questions. And sometimes Tanya will text me and be like, what do I say? And yeah. I'll have to spend like two hours coming up with some answer for a four-year-old <laughs> about some like deep theological question. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she's been doing that. But I tell you what, even just that, and, and, and we've been real intentional about like, not like fake stuff, but just we try to play like worship music for them. Like yeah. when we're driving and I'll sing and I want them to see me sing about Jesus. Like yeah. that, for me, that's a big thing. Like I, I'm not a great singer. I'm a, actually not a good singer at all. I, you know, I used to pray that God would give me a better voice. He just never did. So I'm jealous of you. But I want them to see me singing and yeah. praising Jesus so yeah. that, like, it's normal to them. And so now it's fun. Like, we'll be in the car, and I'll hear Lena, the three-year-old, start singing, yeah. like, worship songs. It's just and, normal. And, it's yeah, normal it's, for our car. They're just, they're just her, they're just yeah. her songs. She'll, we'll get in, and she'll put on, uh, she'll say, play Oh My Soul. And I'll yeah. be like, Connie, we listen to that every time. She's like, I want Oh My Soul. So I'll play it. Yeah. And then a little three-year-old singing harmony in the back. It's the greatest thing. You ever hear? But Dude. we were driving the other day, and uh, Nola says, "Does Lena have Jesus in her heart?" And Lena's three, Nola's yeah. four and a half. And I was like, uh, "Well, I, I don't, I don't think she's ever. It, I don't think so. I mean, she's only three. And Nola's like, hit, like, kind of taps Lena next to her in the car seat. And she's like, "Lena, you have to do this now. Like, you can't wait. <laughs> like, you have to do it right now. Like, we need to pray now." And Tanya and I are in the front seat, like, kind of laughing, kind of like, "What is happening? What is going on?" And right uh, now? and so. Nola, the four-year-old, leads Lena through this little botched prayer of accepting Jesus into heart. It's like the sweetest thing you ever hear in your life. Yeah. And then Nola was ecstatic for her sister. Oh, and like, listen, so I, I know some of that is like, do I have they given their lives to Jesus? I mean, right. whatever. But just to see that, it's like, okay, some of this stuff's actually working, yeah. you know? Oh, man. But isn't that exciting? Because like the, the, the seed of sincere faith, even without education without knowledge is like is is there is present
So you came on. You've been here pretty much for the whole thing. You you came on pretty much right at for the a lot start. Of it, yeah, yeah. So how many? So what's this church look like when you start here? I, I mean, a couple hundred people. What's it yeah, look like? It a was, plant it was, from the Norton campus. Yeah, it was yeah, a couple hundred people. So there was a there was Jeff, who's the new pastor. There's an associate pastor. They just had a campaign that he was on staff as a part of that campaign. They had a part time secretary, and the new part time intern. Which was me. Which was you. So you're and the so, first intern at Grace Church. Yeah, I That's think That's incredible. So. You started the mold. This is it. Yeah. 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 And since then, they realized that, like, we shouldn't treat people like that. And so <laughs> the, the program's way better now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, back then, it was just like exploring ministry. They called me pastor in training, yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's what it was. And great people. And uh, So were you leading music from day one? No, I got... I, I was in as a college guy. And so okay. I was actually developing a band in that, but... Uh, Jeff basically gave me the charge of like I have a Bible study that that's ba- pretty much people that are post post high school. Um, I want it developed into a ministry, leadership development, discipleship training, missions trips, like a full blown min- ministry. Yeah, you know, like so what you would expect ministry. from a college yeah. ministry. And so that's what my job was to develop that into a college ministry over the next. Uh, I think it was I can't remember. It was four or five years that I like led that. Okay. Um, but about a year, uh, about a year in, I started playing uh, guitar with the weekend. The associate pastor um, was leading worship, was like the worship leader. And you started kind of getting I, on stage yeah, a little bit. Was, yeah, he invited me to come, like, and then I'd lead a song or here or there. Then he'd like train me how to like make set lists and, That's you cool. know, stuff like that. And yeah, just kind of. And then of, that just kind of evolved. It just kept evolving. Yeah. So there's a bunch of years in there that I was leading both the college ministry. And so he kind of handed that over to me. So I was in charge of the weekend services and college ministry. That makes sense. So as things grew and yeah. So what's it like to along. see, I mean, you've been here for the whole thing. I, I showed up not till like 2011. So when I showed up at Grace Church, it was kind of the Grace Church we see. We didn't have the whole 30 and 30 thing going yet. There yeah. wasn't the extension, but I mean, I show up, it's a big church. It's a big church. You're right. here and it's just a few hundred people. And then what's it like to be a part of watching this thing, just this movement? Because we say grace is a movement. Yeah. And we watch yeah. this movement of grace just like blow up. Man. What's that like? It Well, it's sometimes it's disorienting and sometimes it, it's like really excited. Like Jeff talks about all the time. He's like, I feel like we're we're constantly working on our dreams, not our problems. And he's right about that. And so a lot of that, but... If you would have if you would have backtracked ten years and say what would be we be like now, I wouldn't have described this. And so I feel like at every stage of it, it's it's the same except entirely different. And yeah. I can never quite imagine the way that's going to go because um, even our approach to campusing isn't the same. Uh, I I there's a part of me that like misses knowing more people. Yeah. And uh, it, that it's a little bit. So we've had to like come up with systems when before we just had relationships. Yeah, people being nice in the lobby was all you needed to get everyone connected. Because you could see everybody. You literally could see by everybody. And so I'm like, I kind of miss that we had to like create systems with with what we used to be just be able to do relationally. But I see the exponential impact of that, and I'm like, that's worth it. Yeah. That, like me not knowing people, that's not that important. That we reaching more and more people. That you're here. Your teams, your groups are like reaching people, your families. Re- I'm like, yeah, that's that's the, that's it. That's and so dream. it's this weird thing of like watching you want it to grow, but then you lose control of it. And you're like, yep, that's kind of the dream, but that's not how I expected it to feel. Yeah, that's interesting. You that's know? super interesting. And not about control, but like about the knowing. Like I meet people in the lobby all the time. And I'm like, how long have you been coming? They're like, oh, three or four years. And I'm like, yeah. wow, I feel embarrassed. Yeah. But 
why would I know I've met them? Yeah, there's 5,000 people here. Now. Right. Yeah. That, so that's it. All right. What's your biggest couple questions here to end this thing? Um, biggest dream for, for, for Grace Church here in the next 10 years. What would you love to see? Um, the biggest dream uh, for over the next 10 years would probably be I have big dreams for our, our worship and our tech ministries. I miss the, the uh, writing of the albums. Yeah. And I think we have incredible momentum right now uh, in like – so I've, I'll give you like three tiers. In our ministry, like in the, like the music tech weekend service ministry, we have incredible momentum with tying in youth group, college, and weekends all into one ministry. They're like writing songs together. Our teams are all in I'm excited about that. What our internship program to do to leadership development and momentum and the effectiveness of the ministry. Um, I think we are poised. The Bath Campus is poised to make an incredible uh, impact in our communities for Christ. I feel like we're entering a season of innovation in a fresh way. Like our last couple of years, we've had to kind of figure out how to be a big church. Mm-hmm. Now we're kind of like, okay, we got enough systems built. Let's like really do it now. Yeah. And so that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about the innovation that comes out of kind of like being grounded. Yeah. And so I'm excited about that because our roots are more in like that fast paced entrepreneurial, try it out you know, uh, kind of stuff. And I'm excited to get back there. Um, so I think we're going to see some incredible impact for Christ in our local community. And I think it's also going to be a riot to like watch the movement, to watch like the campuses we've planted plant campuses. Yeah. That'll be wild. It will be, I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm like, yeah. So kind of like those are, that's my three tier to answer of like, for the ministries that I lead hands on to like the effectiveness of the campus. And so that's cool. All that's right. The kind of stuff. I'm excited Last about. question to get you out of here. Last question. We're going to, we're going to finish up on. Okay. Why do you love Jesus? One paragraph <laughs> on the, on the cuff. I'm going to ask this every time to, to, oh to the people coming on there. I, uh, they say, okay. be ready to give a, give a reason for your hope. Why do you love him? Oh well, I'm constantly amazed by him. I think the real root of my faith, in Jesus is that he's convinced me somehow, somehow he's convinced me that like, um, whether I existed or I didn't exist, he would still be great. And so kind of like whatever happens to me, whatever happens to this world, he's still going to be great. It existed. He existed before any of this. He'll exist far after. And I'm like, man, if I could just wrap my head around like a Jesus centered universe, and a Jesus centered me. I'm like, just like join. I feel like I'm constantly trying to join like the rest of, uh, time to be Jesus centered, you know? And when we get wrapped up in it, so I, I am, I'm amazed about him. Like when I come to the end of like through all of this and as the church has grown and everything, there's like, I've, I've often come to the limitations of me. And, like, I see it all the time as a father, as a pastor, as a leader. Um, I'm constantly coming to the to the end of me. And I'm like, there's no end. Like what I was saying about the... Yeah, there's no end. There's no end. There's there's like the, being a father, I'm like, I'm worried about not having enough capacity and, and enough intentionality to track with my kids. How much intentionality does Jesus have? Limitless. Limitless. There's yeah. There's no end to that. You know, I'm like... 
wow, he really is great. Yeah. You know, like the greatness of who he is is barely explored. Yeah. You know, and uh, so. That's awesome. Well, hey, Ezra. Hey, thanks a lot, It's been a, a lot, pleasure, ben. man. Hey, thanks, thanks for, for the time. Yep, take care. Mm-hmm.